startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from startuprad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing very red stuff because we are before Christmas, but nonetheless, we're doing an interview that will be published in the next year. I do have Yanis here with me as a, as a guest and co-founder of a startup. Hey, how you doing? Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Very nice. <laughs> It's totally our pleasure. You guys reached out on our website and we had a little bit back and forth and then we settled uh, for recording two months prior to actual publication just for the simple reason my schedule is so full right now. Um, I've, as always, of course, uh, if you go down here in the show notes, you'll find your personal LinkedIn profile so people can reach out to you directly. But you are... We may say for the people who are not watching this, you are pretty young. I would guess uh, around 30. <laughs> actually not. <laughs> Good try. No, I'm around 20 years old, actually. 20. Okay, I see. Yeah, I, I was just trying to be kind. Um, <laughs> and um, you uh, have, nonetheless, you're around 20, as we said, and you've been doing quite a lot of stuff before you actually um, co-founded EPAP, a startup we'll be soon talking about. What did you do like after high school? All yeah, right. So it's quite interesting because from school to being a co-founder at EPAP, a lot had, has happened in a very short time period. Um, I would say since I was like 10 years old, I wanted to study physics. And somehow it's still a plan because I'm deeply passionate about it. But after I turned 16 or stuff like that, I absolutely wanted to dive into the field of economics. I searched for some possibilities to combine physics and economics. And obviously, I wanted to dive deep into entre entrepreneurial spirit stuff, uh, start my own companies. And yeah, so as I said, uh, I searched for some ways to combine both worlds. And that resulted in me studying industrial engineering, which is quite a combination of both worlds, and um, starting to be self-employed next to my uh, self-employed next to my studies. So uh, I worked as a developer, I teach myself a bit of front-end development, and I also started to dive uh, dive into um, e-commerce and yeah, labeling brands stuff like that. Uh, before actually. Um, get to know the other founders of EPEP and starting this together at the end of 2019. Yeah, that is the time period before actually founding my first real startup, I would say, um, because being self-employed is for me not that much <laughs> a startup related stuff. Yeah, exactly. I do believe being a freelancer gives you a good basis because you always have to take care of everything yourself, which is also uh, what you need to do as a founder of a startup. So mm, I, I think the only difference is you have to take care of more people when you found a startup. Um, you've, you've been a developer. What, what languages did you work with? Yeah, so it was mostly front-end development, like um, programming websites, stuff like that. Uh, I dived into Python a bit, but I would say I'm not as good as the other co-founders of EPEP um, because it's just 
very at the open end um, how much you can actually get to learn. Um, yes, but that was the topic I found quite interesting to develop websites. Um, it, I would say it's the typical way of start, starting to be self-employed, uh, at least in my uh, fellows. Um, yes, and back to your topic, I would say it's a very nice entry point for starting a company because, as you already mentioned, you're some kind of solo entrepreneur, so you have to keep everything in eyesight. And yeah, after founding your own very startup and building a team, it's more like you have to delegate a lot more tasks. Um, and before you're some kind of chief of everything, I would say. <laughs> Actually, what I found most stressful is at the beginning when you team project lead or an entrepreneur is that you need to think how you could break down tasks and hand it to one person or distribute it between different people so that it actually makes sense. There was, there was at the beginning the hardest stuff for me, but over time you kind of, uh, get into the mood you're getting used to it. So, but let, 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 let me just break this a little bit down. So you want to study physics. You didn't do that. You ended up front end development for e-commerce shops. And now you are making an app that's not actually e-commerce. How did this happen? Yeah, so as I moved to Hanover, so we are living and based in Hanover, um, I was here to study industrial engineering and I wanted to get to know people from the local startup scene over here. So I attended quite a lot of startup events and also the Lean Lab, which was at the end of 2019. I would say one year actually ago um, and there I met my co-founders because we worked on the same idea at this event so Fabian and uh, Sebastian pitched their idea for EPEP and Gerd and me and some other guys um, dived into the topic and attended the team and we started to yeah think about how to get EPEP big at this weekend. So it was an event like you get to um, pitch a startup idea or attend to another team and you work on the project for like, I don't know, 50 hours. And at the end, there's a big pitch event and you can win some prizes. And we actually won this event with EPEP and we tried to work on it later on and figure out how to get this big as a team. And actually, this is the founding story. So we all attended at the founding team and startup event here in Hanover. And yeah, we figured out that it's quite nice to work with each other. Um, we were super productive. We are very combined founding team. So one is like informatics, mathematician, uh, economics, and me as an industrial engineering student. Um, so that's ter turned out very well. Um, and yeah, this is the, that's the, the founding story, I would say. That's how we meet each other and that's how EPEP itself was introduced um, by Fabian and Sebastian because both of them worked on the same idea before. So like, I don't know, two weeks before the Lean Lab, they met each other for the first time because they worked on the same idea. And yeah, two weeks later, they introduced us to us and we started as a four-man team. Let me quickly wrap this up. Um, you guys are actually running a, uh, startup, which was founded on a startup event with the idea of two of your co-founders, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Huh. 
I see. That's a very interesting story. And let us dig a little bit into what you guys are doing. You are providing online invoices. Is that about right? Yeah, it's quite a bit right. So I can summarize it a bit. So the idea behind ePath is quite easy. Uh, our claim is actually reinventing receipts. So the problem here in Germany is quite clear, uh, as it is in most other countries here in Europe as well. Uh, you can pay with your mobile phone, you can pay with your watch, but you will definitely get a paper receipt in most of the countries. And since the beginning of 2020, it, the retailer is actually, um, yeah, he's forced to print the receipt and hand it out to the customer. It's called the obligation to issue receipts here in Germany. Uh, obviously, that results in a lot of waste. And yeah, I would say in a world full of digitalization and sustainability, this is not the appropriate way to deal with it. Um, nevertheless, from um, the Ministry of Finance, it's quite clear that this approach is useful because it avoids, yeah, I would say, um, I would say it's like blocking tax stealing or stuff like that. So uh, every receipt is handed to the customer itself. Um, in Germany, it's like a habit. You go, uh, you just buy something at the bakery for a few euros and you still get the receipt and you take it and you put it in your wallet and then a few days later, you just throw it away. So basically, that's the obligation. And um, there's all, always this um, kind of print out what you get from the cashier machine um, on this paper, which kind of disappears the writing over a year. So that is the legal obligation. And there's another quirk in Germany because you have the right to kind of uh, give back items when they're not up to quality or something like that. And in German retail, you also always are forced to keep the receipt. And if you don't have the receipt from there, they usually will bark uh, and uh, stall and don't um, exchange the item for either cash or um, for um, a, a new one. That is something you're also dealing with. What What does your app now offer? How can you treat it? Uh, how does this work with um, if you want to give back items? Mm -hmm. So our app works like, or it's, it's mostly an app and backend technology which retailers can use to provide digital receipts. It ends at uh, the customized app or mobile phone. Um, and our app ePEP, actually it's called like that, is something like a companion for everyday works or everyday, I don't know. Um, I, I went to the store and buy some stuff and I have ePEP with me to get all my receipts in one place and to get an eye, in eyesight uh, all my finance evaluations like how much money I spent on food, how much money I spent on, I don't know, maybe um, toilet stuff or maybe some, um, some electronic stuff as well. And it's also useful, and this is a case you mentioned before, to claim my warranties or um, my returns. So in Germany, you have to keep the receipt itself, um, which is used to make sure you actually bought the product you have in, I don't know, you want to return or you want to claim the warranty about. And it's, you have to provide the receipt at the cash, cash register again, um, 
but you can also use, a, for example, a copy copy of it. So it's not uh, it's it's legally allowed to bring a copy of your receipt or the receipt itself. Um, we actually make it easier for you to get your warranties because everything is digitally stored in your app. So you can uh, keep your warranties in your pocket. Uh, you have a little reminder for warranties, for example, like, I don't know, you bought a laptop two years ago and now it's broken and you got a, a warranty reminder, hey, you've still got two months left to return that product if it's broken, for example. Um, yeah, that's the idea behind EPEP itself. So making it easy for you to get an automatic and comprehensive and granular evaluation of your finances and to keep track of your warranties as well. Um, so that means since you have all the invoices, the receipts in your app, if you run like analytics, household expense tools over YouTube, that would be more granular, more specific than, for example, running um, an analytics on your current account because the current account just sees a uh, food retailer 50 euros. And with you, you can actually see the, 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 the real items, is that true? Yeah, so we work to, or our goal is to uh, reach a very comprehensive and granular analysis of your finance expenses. So uh, in the normal finance app, for example, you see that you spend money, as you already mentioned, for food from the food retailer, and you've got all online um, transactions. Right now in our app, it's... Um, based on the digital receipt itself. So every transaction you made with your card and you get uh, received for is actually um, taken into account if you want to, if you scan it, for example, with our app. Uh, so if you have an analog receipt, which is already printed out, you can also add it uh, next to the digital receipts, which are provided at supporting cash registers. Um, and that results in a very granular experiences for users because Uh, instead of just saying, all right, this is a food retailer, you probably spent like 20 bucks for food, we can say, all right, this is a food retailer, but nevertheless, you spend like $10 for food, $5 for, I don't know, um, shampoo, and $5 for beer. <laughs> and <laughs> you can categorize it like that. So if you spend $5 on beer and it's worth the weekend, you would like to watch football or stuff like that, you can actually track it very granular for, okay, this is a weekend expense. I want to watch football with my mates and I have to buy some beer for it. And so you can track very granularly how much you spend actually. In the future, future I would say at the end of December, at the Beginning of the next year, uh, we actually provide all online tracks actions as well. So every functionality like you pay online and on Amazon and you get your receipt um, or you, you get your transaction in your banking account is also matched with the digital receipts in EPEP and the transactions are sent to EPEP as well. So we become a very, uh, or we become, we become a complete finance app uh, in the next month. What I would be curious because we're shortly before Christmas and I usually have like a um, shoebox where I put in all the receipts where I bought presents. So if I have to return them, if there's a warranty issue or something, could you like also organize your receipts your uh, in your app? Would that be possible? 
Yeah, for sure. So you can take um, all your receipts in your shoebox and scan it with our machine learning model. So it analyzes every product position and every detail like store um, warranty, when you bought it um, and creates a digital receipt version of your analog uh, receipt. And if you want to, for example, categorize it like, all right, these are all my receipts for uh, Christmas presents, you can create this category especially, and then you can take it into account. So like, I don't know, you, you've you got 10 presents you bought in 10 different stores, you can add 10 analog receipts and get it all into one category. And then you would see that you, I don't know, spend like 300 bucks for Christmas presents, I don't know. And yeah, you can also use this to track your warranties, for example, if you buy relevant stuff for that. Huh. Um one more question just to clarify you get physical receipts but you scan it with your app right yes so if you do not get um, a digital receipt in some stores obviously we do not uh, we do not provide digital receipts all of Europe or all of Germany right now and um, there's still a lot of stores unfortunately <laughs> which provides normal receipts and we thought it would be quite interesting and useful to um, <clears throat> to give users the opportunity to still have digital receipts from the stores. So we developed our own machine learning scan function, which analyzes the receipt you take a picture of with our app and to extract all relevant information as entities, which are then analyzed and taken into account for your finance, finance expenses as well. Ha, huh, I, I got in I got one question because in an ideal world, how would it look like? For example, you have your Google Pay, your Apple Pay, your Samsung Pay on your smartwatch, you hold it against the cashier machine, and then basically it uh makes a transaction and then instantly realizes it has EPAP on it as well and then sh straightly shoots the uh receipt in there. Would that would that be the final outcome, the final goal? In an ideal world, it would be some kind of that way. So you pay with your, I don't know, credit card and over the back end, you will get your digital receipt right matched with your transactions on a granular basis. But we are not quite there. So we work on this method. Obviously, that's why we're enabling banking transactions to be in our app as well. And we are also working on uh, developing a method to yeah, pay with your card and get your digital receipt over the back end. But until we are there, we have to provide digital receipts, for example, with the QR code at the cash register itself or enabling the possibility for customers to get their receipts scanned and extracted um, to get yeah the comprehensive look in the app. Let me make an educated guess. You are open for cooperation with all payment apps and the big guys from the uh, credit cards and banks, right? Yes, for sure. So we talked to a lot of banks here in Germany, um, but it's obviously not the easiest way to uh, get a combination of banking apps and transaction matching and stuff like that. Um, we and moreover, we also do not want to work with one bank at once because that's it's nice for the beginning, but not very scalable. So for our banking transaction matching in our app, uh, we work with an open banking API, which provides, I don't know, like 200 banks in Germany 
um, with the PSD2. Um, yeah, yes, it's it's called PSD2, I would say, and that enables other third-party users to get the banking transactions in their app. So I don't know, like finance app uh, numbers or stuff like that uses this uh, PSD2 possibility to get also the transaction details. Uh, for everybody not from Germany or Europe, PSD2 is Payment Service Directive number two, and it forced all the banks to actually get, uh, grant access to like finance and transaction apps like you guys or like other people um, to open up so they can, if the user is properly authorized, they can pull data from there so that the treasure trove of uh, banking data is not strictly kept to banks. I was I was curious because you you are uh, working in a very special area. Not many people deal their whole life or part of their life with receipts, um, but you guys are doing this. And I was wondering if you're already working with receipts, you surely have an idea how you're gonna earn money, right? Yes, we obviously are. So we figured out a few possibilities and we also plan to make money in the future. Wow. <laughs> no, um, it's quite interesting because we follow a lot of different approaches over here. Um, the two main approaches we currently want to use are, I would say, premium models. So on one side, the on the one side, we plan to integrate premium features for customers for the uh, B2C side. So we make money uh, in the app. It's currently um, integrated one feature, uh, which is yeah export function. Uh, so we are enabling customers to actually export their receipts, for example, to tax advisors or uh, book holding programs like here in Germany, like Office or stuff like that. Um, but we also plan for retailers, that's B2B, um, to get some kind of premium receipts. So the, the standard way right now is digital receipts are free to use for retailers. So if the cash register manufacturer and the retailer is working with us to provide digital receipts to their customers, it's free of costs from our side. But if the retailer wants, for example, coupons or current campaigns to be provided to customers or they want branded and very, I would say, personalized receipts, they have to pay, obviously, for it. And that's our way for monetization right now. Sorry, my imagination just runs wild. Would it be possible, let's say, two, three years down the road, that you get approached by a retailer, let's say H&M, uh, Tommy, somebody else who runs uh, clothing shops here, and they say, okay, we want to send a message to everybody who has been buying our products in the last two years, and we want to send them a message with coupons. Would that be possible? So we provide the possibility to send current coupons to customers. So like, I don't know, you bought, for example, um, or you, you are actually a customer of, for example, H&M, and you get a coupon for the latest action. That would be possible, um, but it's more like using current campaigns as a retailer to provide an additional way or to create a feedback channel to customers itself. Ha, huh, I see. Um, 
I have a few more questions. Obviously, one you've already been answer, you've been already been answering. Um, you are looking for cooperation partners. I assume right now only in Germany, or are you already uh, spreading out your fingers uh, to other countries? Um, right now, we are working in Germany, in Austria, and Switzerland. But we plan to expand in the next month to yeah test the market and also other countries here in Europe. Um, it's not planned right now to say, I would say, yes, it, in August, it's like we are approaching this country and then this country. It's more like, all right, let's internationalize. Um, if it's the possibility, if a possibility is there to create some kind of proof of concept for us, that it also works like that, like we planned in other countries here in Europe as well. Ha, huh, I see. Um, what was my question? Um, oh, <laughs> you said Germany, Austria and Switzerland, and I assume also in Little Liechtenstein, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Great. Ne ne never forget Liechtenstein. Never forget Liechtenstein. Uh, we, we'll have the... the, the Currently, we have no retailers in Liechtenstein, but um, we are not blocking away con uh, some approaches over there. So it's like the German-speaking Europe is quite of the target group right now. I see, see, see. Um, you are talking about international expansion and the first thought in my mind that popped up there, oh, that may be expensive. So you guys are open to talk to potential investors? Yeah, for sure. So our first investment round was in April this year. So quite interesting because obviously there was uh, COVID-19, which blocked a lot of, I would say, um, inter or, or conversations between investors and startups. Nevertheless, we finished our first investment route or seed financing and plan to do the next round in maybe the first half of 2021. Um, Yeah, it will also be some kind of seed investment. So we do not plan to scale that much. We want to figure out the right solution for the market. Right now, we want to improve our product that it is possible to scale very efficiently after that. Um, how many people you guys are already now? How many like uh, full-time employees are there? Mm -hmm. uh, right now, we are a team of yeah full-time members like eight i would say so we've got a few students in our team um yes but it's a team of eight and i in my personal opinion um about 10 members is a good size for a seed stage startup because you want to keep your burn a bit lower than normally um yeah i would say the normal um but it's a decent team size to actually get stuff done uh, yeah that's our approach right now <laughs> Well, um, people may not know this, but we are already recording for more than 27 minutes now. That's usually um, not how long I bother my in interview guests, but it's been uh, just a pleasure talking to you. I would say wishing you best of luck. I hope you guys will reach out to us when you have news to report about a successful fundraising and um, all the best and um, enjoy your receipts, I think. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. So it's a pleasure again to be here and we will see each other soon, I would say. Bye. <laughs> 
That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.